My dear people, the Lord is with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. Which of you, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor? A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him. And the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man. And then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. So that when the host comes, but rather when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you have a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. My dear people, the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear people, I am Father Mark Franceschini. That's Italian by way of West Side Chicago, and I'm a member of the religious order Servants of Mary, more commonly called Servites. We're not, you're not too familiar with us here up in Minnesota, but I'm delighted to be here, and I want to thank the bishop and Father Kevin for this invitation. It's always a delight to bring a glimpse of the universal church to any local faith community and I am here to make an appeal on behalf of the missionary efforts of our order. I've had the privilege of working with two great peoples in South Africa, the Zulus and the Swazis, and I'll be sharing a bit of that experience in the next few minutes. I know I get caught up with what I'm saying, and I lose track of time, so if I'm talking too long, somebody wave or stand up, and I'll get the message, and we'll cut it. To jump right in, Africans are ordinary folks just like ourselves. They aspire to provide a decent life for their children. If there are differences, and sadly there are many, perhaps one word could sum it all up, and that word would be opportunity. You know, you, me, every American, we live in a very blessed, a very fortunate country. We don't have to apologize for that. 
but certainly it lends itself to taking many things for granted. Right now, half the children in the world won't know the luxury of a school facility. Right now, more than half the people in the world don't know where their next meal is coming from. And the list of right nows is an hour long. Well, let me get on with it. Africans are very spiritual. God is a central figure in the life of the ordinary African. And they have a pretty good idea of who God is. In the Zulu language, the word for God is unkulunkulu. What that means is the greatest of the greatest. It's pretty hard to get beyond a double superlative without fracturing your grammar. And they believe God is the author, the creator of all life, that God sustains everything and everyone. If there is a difference, the ordinary African is in awe and fear of God. He or she will say, I hope God's so busy taking care of everything and everyone he doesn't notice me. <laughs> of course, that always makes me smile because I know a lot of Catholics who feel the same way. But it's, it was always a joy to tell them, well, we too believe that God is the author, the creator of life, but we also believe that God desires a personal relationship with each one of us. And they're always attracted to that and want to hear more, and I'll get back to that in a minute. In their ancient tribal worship, ancestors play a very important part. They believe that when someone dies, that person goes to God, and then the dead ancestor becomes an intermediary between God and the living. And because that's so central, funerals become a very, very important occasion. If we were a little Zulu or Swazi community, and one of our community died, and I was the only member of the community that did not attend the funeral. Well, the very next hardship, sickness, calamity, you name it, that befell any one of us or the community at large, guess who would get blamed? I would because I offended the ancestor by not attending the funeral. A little bit more about their life, both uh, the culture and the condition. Well, they live on a survival level. Things are improving, but it's still uh, based on weather and crops. If the rains are good and the crops are good and are able to store grain away for the winter, they survive. If it's a bad year, then sure as I'm standing here and you're sitting there, Come the long, dry winter months, there's a large increase in sickness in funerals. It's as simple and as sad as that. In their culture, well, marriage, that's a universal. They're very aristocratic in getting married. It all depends on the bloodline of the bride. If the young lady's related to the king, the bride price might be 100 cows. If she's related to a local chief, the price would be 60 or 70 cows. If the young lady in question is simply from an ordinary family, the basic price is 15 cows. But I'm here to tell you that 99% of tribal African husbands go to their graves owing their in-laws a lot of cows. 
It's, it's a social grace. When, when the young man approaches his future father and mother-in-law to ask for their da daughter's hand, the parents say the same thing you probably said to your first son-in-law. Take care of our daughter, provide her with a decent life, and you won't have to settle the matter of cows. As I said before, they're very spiritual and they're very hospitable. Hospitality is their first rule of life. So you're always welcome in their home. Of course, they don't live in homes. They live in a series of huts called a crawl. And conversation is really a form of entertainment and recreation. They don't have that much going on in their lives. And so when you go, you can talk about anything, but eventually they'll want to talk about God. And they'll tell you their view of God, and they're quite eager to hear our view. And as soon as you bring up the person of Jesus, as soon as you start telling people who have never heard of him what he said and what he did, there's an immediate reaction. And before too long, they're interrupting you with, yes, he speaks the truth. Yes, that is good. If everybody lived that way, life would be much, much better for all of us. Well, if I stop right there, you'd say, well, missionary work's a piece of cake. Well, it is a privilege, it's a joy to do, but there are many difficulties involved. I'm gonna mention a few, not because they are discomforting, but I think because far too many people in the world are not aware of the truths that take place elsewhere. I wouldn't expect anybody here to be very proficient in African history, but by and large, most people are, are aware of the horrendous slave trade of several centuries ago, where millions and millions of innocent people suffered cruelties and harsh treatment, even death, under that system. Later on in their history, all the Western European countries descended on Africa under the guise that they were going to bring these ancient tribal peoples into the modern era. Well, they did descend on Africa and they did take control of the whole continent and they put up artificial borders and gave names to large tracts of land. But in the process, they took pretty good care of themselves and their people back home but they didn't do much to advance the development of the ancient tribal peoples. And that caused a lot of resentment and a lot of difficulties for anyone trying to uh, work there. Because of that form of government, colonialism, naturally to control the people and you needed to be fairly stern sometimes harsh. But of all the governments in Africa, the worst one was the government we worked under in South Africa. It was a system of government called apartheid. And thank God that system came to an end at the end of the last century. But working under it, what it meant, apartheid means total separation, total segregation of peoples. Everybody lives with their own kind. What it meant was if you were Caucasian, if you were white, you had all the rights. Not only political rights, but rights that clear across the board. 
And you put that into context that the Caucasian population was only 13%. What it meant was 87% of the people were living in oppression and an unlabeled form of slavery. And I don't need to belabor that, but it did create many problems for our work. The main, the essential problem for our work, it's gonna be like a blow below the belt, but I've got to say it. What made our work so delicate was the sad truth that the 13% all went to church on Sunday. They're all Christians. Sadly, some were Catholics. The majority were, belonged to other Christian denominations. And again, not to uh, belabor that thought, but it made our work very, very difficult and delicate, like walking on eggs. Well, nobody's waving, so I'm gonna say a couple of more things. They always thought I was rich. Well, they thought every missionary was rich. They'd look at a mission, there'd be a church, a school, a clinic, and they weren't providing any funds, so obviously we had to be rich. And it was always a joy to tell them, no, I'm not rich, no missionary's rich, but there are millions and millions of people in the world who believe in Jesus just the way we do. And part of their belief is they respond to the needs of those less fortunate. They reach out to those in dire straits and uh, with, with all the problems and sufferings they endure. Now you and I take that for granted. We do respond to any crises, any, anything that happens, and that's to our credit. I hope we never lose that trait. And I only mention it because when I told the people there, many of them were moved to tears that they were receiving help from people they'll never meet, people who live on the other side of the world. And I can't prove it, but I think it was one of the factors for many of them accepting baptism and joining our faith community. Well, okay. You be somebody better wave, I'll keep you here till lunchtime. <laughs> A little bit about the language. People are always asking, well, it's not mumbo-jumbo. Forget Tarzan movies and adventure stories. Zulu is a classical language. It has more rules than English. And I never was very proficient in foreign languages. Even in the seminary, I had a hard time with Hebrew and Greek, even Latin. So learning Zulu wasn't that easy for me. Part of it was because in the Zulu language, three less letters of the alphabet are sounds. C becomes, Q becomes, and X is like for a horse. <laughs> well, the first couple of years there in preparing a homily, I tried to avoid words that had those sounds, but there were too many of them. So I'd get up in church and along comes one of those words and of course I'd obliterate it, but they never wanted you to get discouraged. After mass, they'd say, oh, Father, you, you speak our language beautifully. But as the years went by and I got more proficient, I went back to what I tried to say the first couple of years. I didn't even understand what I was saying um, at that time. Well, you've been very gracious and attentive and I could go on and on. Let me try and bring this to a close.
I have one major request. Do pray for missions and missionaries. It's a great work. It's a privilege to do. It's an ongoing work. Uh, there are still many areas of the world where the person and message of Jesus have never been heard. And the basic work of a missionary is to work yourself out of a job. You bring the person and message of Jesus to people who have never heard it. And as they are attracted to it, embrace it, make it their own, you have the beginnings of a native church. And that's what's been going on all over the Southern Hemisphere in the last 150 years. And it will continue to do that. It's a beautiful, when I say prayer is very important, I can vouchsafe for that. You can see the hand of God working in, in the beautiful, mysterious ways, but it does work. So do pray for missions and missionaries. As these people have come into independence, the struggles are still as serious and, and profound as before. The, the greater, greater majority are all living in stark poverty. Uh, when that system of government was removed, all the time I was working underneath it, I, my imagination used to run wild because I said to myself, you know, you can oppress and suppress people a long, long time, but one day there's going to be a revolution, and I envisioned a river of blood as wide as the Mississippi. And I only mention that horrible thought because of what actually happened. When the Africans did get their freedom, their independence, there was no river of blood. Thanks to their great leaders, they went out of their way to set up tribunals of reconciliation all over the country, wherein any person who had treated another human being harshly, unjustly, inhumanely, if he or she had the honesty, the decency to step forward and acknowledge it, it would be the end of it. No punishment, no penalty, no revilement. It was one of the most profound acts of Christian love I've ever been witness to. But the problems are changing because the young people are flocking to the big cities for jobs. It's and it's creating all kinds of problems because they're not educated. And 21st century jobs require advanced education. And you don't need too much imagination to come to realize that if you have a large uh, unemployed population, all the social ills are going to become magnified, starting with crime and all the other ills that uh, beset modern society. The other problem of recent vintage that's really become a major, major problem is AIDS. When that horrible disease was discovered, what, back in the 80s, of course in Africa they didn't pay any attention to it. By the time they became aware of how deadly it is, uh, it became, it was a pandemic. Now, South Africa leads the world in the percentage of people with AIDS. One out of every four adults has AIDS. In our mission schools, 
Many of the children are orphans. Other children are HIV positive themselves, so that we find more and more of our funds being channeled into try and alleviate this horrible scourge. Well, I keep saying I'm going to end, and then I say something else. I'm going to have to discipline myself. So I do thank you for your attention and your prayers. I know there's going to be a second collection. Uh, thank you in advance for your generosity. Funds are very important, but prayer is even more important. Uh, Father Finnegan uh, told me to tell you there are envelopes at the entrances in case you're unprepared for today's collection you can take an envelope and bring it back uh, next week if you like for this uh, mission collection so I thank you for listening and maybe the best way to thank you and to bring this to a close is to give you a blessing in the Zulu language if you listen closely you'll hear one of those sounds Amen. Thank you.